It's time for the spring sales event at the DGDG Mazda stores. Capital Mazda, Stevens Creek Mazda, Concord Mazda, and Team Mazda. Hey, it's Shondell Grand. And right now we've got a huge selection of brand new Mazdas with exciting spring incentives across our entire lineup. Plus, you can buy your new Mazda completely online with our exclusive no-brainer checkout. Don't miss the spring sales event at the DGDG Mazda stores in San Jose, Concord, and Vallejo. We're getting you ready for the game on The Build-Up with news from around the league, interviews, highlights, and more. Here's your host, Ted Ramey. Bordalo looking for the puck from Hoffman down the left wing side, but the pass a little too far. It's Bo Byron putting it right into Eklund in the corner. He backhands free now. Hoffman tips to the point. Shot by Vlasic, whistles just wide. Chipped that there by Hoffman, got it back to the point. Shot star! Benning, one-time shot after Hoffman did it, might have been tipped in front by Thomas Bordalo, and if that's the case, it's Bordalo's first National Hockey League goal. Nathan McKinnon, he gets the response from the crowd after that knee-on-knee penalty. Here's McKinnon moving in, he's very deft with it by himself, Deke shoots, what a save by Blackwood! an amazing stop in the shootout. Wow. All right, good afternoon and welcome as we get set for the Sharks' third game of the season taking on the Carolina Hurricanes. And if you're like me, I think you've watched a team that was all right on opening night, but still put in a good 38 minutes. That's what we've all assessed. A good 38 minutes against that Vegas Golden Knights team, the defending champion. And then in game number two, put in what I felt was a really, really high quality performance against the Avs, the champion two years ago. And they went for 58 and a half minutes and were not able to build upon their one nothing lead. And it was Mackenzie Blackwood standing on his head. And it was just a great performance all the way around. I know we can talk on and on and on about what we saw from the goalie in particular. But you also have to look at the penalty kill. You also have to look at the individual play of guys like uh, a Matt Benning in particular, who just made phenomenal play after phenomenal play, it seemed. But, you know, right now... Where the Sharks are, I think you have to ask yourself, was there improvement from game one to game two? And I think the answer there is yes. I think you definitely liked what you saw in game one. And I think you liked even more of what you saw in game number two. So from that regard, I think there is reason for optimism. And listen, I know that optimism is not what we are all looking for out of a season of hockey. We are looking for wins. We are looking for accomplishments. We are looking for improvement. But you know, there is a part of me that has to be kind of blunt with you guys and say, listen, you got to set the bar low right now. You have to look from one small aspect of success and build upon it. And I have to imagine that even though they're probably not going to say as much, that's probably what David Quinn is looking at. It's like, find small successes, establish those small successes, and then build upon them. We know we've got a few more games until you get a Grandland back. We don't know when we're going to see Logan Couture back, but we do know that what we've seen in these first couple of games is at least encouraging from the San Jose Sharks. They have not gotten steamrolled. It was really 90 seconds the difference that happened in game one against Vegas. The Sharks, through 38 minutes, were looking very, very good, 
And then Capo let one go five hole. The shoulders slumped and everybody looked pretty stunned at that point. They did not know how to bounce back, especially against a team as talented as Vegas is. And then the kind of game went the way you would expect it to go. Vegas was able to take advantage. They hit another goal before the game, or excuse me, before the period came to a close. They built upon it in the third period. It's 4-1 when all is said and done. But there was not a lot about that game from San Jose that I particularly hated. And I think you can just make the argument that it went pretty much how you would expect it to go. And I think that's just the talent deficit that is where the Sharks are and where a team like Vegas is and where a team like Colorado is. Now, I will say the game against Colorado, I thought that the Sharks were definitely just chasing the puck around for the first 10 minutes of the game. And that's what Colorado does. They are going to make you react to them, which for a team like the Sharks right now is not going to be easy. All right, let's change it up. We are now joined by Curtis Pashelka, who covers the Sharks for Bay Area News Group. Curtis, what's going on, man? How are you doing? Doing well, Ted. How are how are you? I, I'm doing pretty well. You know, the first two games of the Shark season have been fairly entertaining, and I think that um, you'll agree with me. This is a pretty daunting uh, start of the season scheduling for the Sharks. So I. You know, me personally, I'm setting the bar low, um, but, you know, I think that second game against Colorado, um, you know, I was talking to Brody Brazil about this the other night, like, if nothing else, you walked away from that game pretty fantastically entertained. Yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, there was some, uh, you know, Kyle Burroughs kind of gets it going there with the first period scrap there, and, you know, there were a lot of chances at, at both ends. You know, I think the Sharks kind of, you know, they hung in there for, for the better part of two periods until... You know, Vegas scored those lot those two near the end of the second there. But uh by and large, you know, I think I think that the Sharks are, you know, they're gonna be measured this year by how much how hard they compete and you know how much heart they show and and uh you know kind of how much they, they they play together and stick up for each other. And you know, I think that was a good first step. And then, you know, obviously leading into to Saturday's game against the Avalanche, like you said, doesn't get much easier there. And then uh, the rest of the homestand figures to be pretty tough as well. Yeah, it most definitely does. And you know, obviously, we got our first look at Mackenzie Blackwood, and I don't think that's very fair to set that as his standard of what he needs to be. Of course, the flip side of that, Curtis, is they've scored one goal in each of their first two games. Tiny sample size, but maybe a little bit telling. Yeah, I mean, this is a team that's adjusting to life without Eric Carlson, and you throw in the mix, the throw in the fact that Logan Couture and, and Mike Mikhail Granlund are, are both out right now, too. So two of you top three centermen are out and, uh, you know, sort of a back end that's sort of a learning, kind of adjusting to um, what it's going to be like going forward without a, without a, such a dynamic presence as, as Carlson back there. So uh, that said, you know, I think the Sharks would love to see their power play start to heat up a little bit, you know, for six here to start the season. Um, you know, get some other guys going too, five on five, some big names that the Sharks acquired in the offseason. Some guys who have known been known for putting the puck in the net are still a little bit, uh, uh, you know, kind of, uh, you know, quiet so far. So, you know, the like, you know, it's it's not going to be, um, you know, one goal a game here for for the rest of the season or anything. But at the same time, he still wants some some of these guys to to pick up the pace a little bit and and, uh, you know, show why they've been in the league so long. Yeah, no, I, I think most definitely you're expecting other guys to step it up. And I, that's the other part of this is like it's two games into a, a heavy roster turnover situa situation. And while there are guys who are probably able to help um, teach everyone else Quinn's system because they have a year in it, 
there's still an adjustment period for any team, specifically one that is, and I say this, you know, with all due respect, but at a, an existing talent deficit, the Sharks are going to be in against the, the, the teams that they're playing to open up the season. Yeah, no doubt about it. So, I mean, you look at uh, Saturday night's game there against Colorado. That's a team that has designs on, uh, you know, winning the Stanley Cup that, you know, this season. And you look at that defense score they have, they've got about three, four defensemen back there who could easily anchor the Sharks' power play or any other team's power play for, you know, for uh, for the better part of the season here. So, you know, I mean, the Sharks know where they are. I mean, they they know that. They're in a team that's in transition and will continue to be a team in transition for, you know, at least this year and, and next year. Um, so there is a lot of roster turnover, uh, a lot of guys to sort of get used to, a lot of new faces. And you don't know how long these guys are going to be here. So uh, kind of a situation where everybody understands it. But at the same time, I think they figure that, uh, you know, they've, they've got enough talent here to at least, do some damage and, and and give some of these top teams uh, some headaches here before uh, you know as, as they as they go on and continue to play the the Carolinas and the Boston's and you look at the road trip coming up some of the playoff teams that are that are scheduled ahead here so they figure that you know if they do things the right way they can they can uh, uh, you know maybe some surprise some surprise some people I guess yeah and I guess my reaction to that is then. How do fans react to that? How do fans take the fact that, you know, it could be you know, these first eight games? I mean, it's pretty rough. And, you know, I don't know how far back you want to go into the Sharks, um, you know, database. But, uh, you know, you can look at that 93-94 season, the first time they made the playoffs, and say, oh, well, they started off 0-8 and won that year. But I don't know if that's really a, uh, a pertinent or timely frame of reference. No, exactly. You look at back then, that was a 22-team NHL. And, you know, four of every five teams in each division or whatever it was, you know, made the playoffs. Whereas now it's, you get off to a start like that, it's extremely difficult to, uh, to climb out of and, and try to stay in the playoff race. So, um, you know, even last year, you look at last season, 05 and 0 out of the gates. And, uh, you know, by a month into the season, I think there were three, nine and three, something along those lines. And, uh, you know, we're already kind of out of it. So, you know, I think the this, this Sharks team, you know, at least wants to kind of stay in the hunt a little bit here, at least through Thanksgiving, kind of see where they're at right now. They want to see some guys get off to a good start, especially some of these guys who are in expiring contracts. Uh, you know, maybe that raises their value ahead of the trade deadline. But, you know, I mean, this is, uh, you know, we'll kind of see how it goes here. I guess the, the only good thing about maybe playing a tougher schedule now is that, maybe get eases up a little bit as you get closer to say Thanksgiving and, and into December, um, you know, you maybe you don't play quite as many of these teams that are, you know, have built to uh, build to win the Stanley cup. So we'll see how it goes here, but, you know, I think the first couple of games, uh, you know, it's uh, that gives some, uh, some signs of encouragement here that, you know, maybe if this team plays the right way, they can, they can play, uh, they can play with uh, a lot of other teams in this league as well. I think the penalty kill has been an encouraging sign so far. They were able to shut down Vegas and then all the opportunities, unless you want to count the six on five that uh, Colorado had when they pulled their goalie. I think that's been a, a very encouraging sign. I think that probably speaks to what David Quinn's trying to establish is just like, like you alluded to like, Hey guys, be a headache. Yeah, for sure. And I think it's, it's equally impressive considering they lost a lot of their top penalty killing forwards from, from last season and some, some of the new guys have been able to step in and, 
and keep it going. You look at last season, a guy like Stephen Lawrence or Nick Benito or a, a Matt Nieto, um, guys who were in last year's team who did a good job in that respect. And, you know, this year you're, you're, you're without uh, Logan Couture and Mikhail Granlin. I mean, those, those are two top penalty killing forwards. And so you've seen some other guys kind of step into that role. Luke Cunningham has done a very nice job here so far in the PK. Willie Mecklen has, has gotten some minutes there. Tomas Sertles has sort of uh, taken up a little bit of that slack too. So, and yeah, some of the defensemen too have kind of stepped in. So that's, that's definitely a positive aspect uh, of the Sharks season so far is the amount of, you know, the, how they've kind of, uh, you know, kept up that, that strong penalty killing they've had here uh, from last season until now. What about the fact that it was another instance, which is, echoing last year in which they couldn't close out a game. Sure. And, you know, I think uh, you look at Saturday night's game against Colorado. I mean, obviously Mackenzie Blackwood stands on his head, gives his team every chance to win and, and uh, get two points out of that game. And, you know, Kayla McCarr scores with under, uh, you know, 90 seconds to go. And what's frustrating from the Sharks standpoint is they had a four on three in overtime. Um, and just weren't able to get anything going. I mean, just a lot of stops and starts, mm-hmm. uh, you know, passes into skates and just not a very smooth looking effort where, you know, a lot of times you get a four on three. That's, that's even better sometimes than a five on four because yeah. there's just bodies out there and less clutter. So, I mean, that was frustrating from the shark standpoint. And then obviously not getting a goal in, in the shootout either, at least not beating, you know, uh, the Colorado Georgia have there on, on Saturday night. That had been a bit frustrating. I think, uh, you know, that's not something the Sharks can learn from. I mean, I think they, they felt they defended pretty well in that game, just keeping a lot of the shots to the outside and making, try to making it things as, as easy as possible uh, for Blackwood. But, you know, going into the, uh, the Carolina game, I think they're going to say a lot of that same type of forecheck, that same type of pressure, and maybe not quite the same skill level up front, but, same type of uh, hard hard to play against team that's, uh, you know, the Sharks are going to have to earn everything they get tonight for sure. What's your read on the Logan Couture injury situation? Well, he was on the ice again today, so that's two days in a row for him. So, um, you know, my, my feeling is the Sharks are going to continue to take it really slow with him. Just let him ease back into it. Um, still don't quite know. We have an idea what he might be dealing with, but nothing's official yet. So um, it's just... Uh, Men are taking things slow with him. You know, it might be until that uh, after the road trip, that five-game trip coming up, that he might uh, be available. We'll, we'll get a clearer idea of kind of where he stands as just the week drags on here. As they, you know, maybe Wednesday or Thursday, we'll get a better idea of where things stand with him. And you know, obviously, when he comes back, he would give a, a huge boost to this team and. Just what he doesn't do everything type player. I mean, the guy you know, Sharks fans have known for for over a decade here, and what he does for this team. So, be a huge boost when he gets back. And you just wonder if you know what the Sharks' record will look like when once he does get back, and you know whether whether they can kind of you know stay afloat, I guess, in the uh, in the Pacific Division and the Western Conference, I guess. Of course, that opened the door for Thomas Bordalo. At least that's our, our read on it, and he was able to score his first. NHL goal the other night he did the tip play which I you know we all remember Joe Pavelski that was part of the Sharks meat and potatoes especially on power play you'd have you know Burns slapping it in and you'd see Pavelski right there you know in the in the rough spaces you know where no one really wants to be but brave enough to do that and it was 
you know, I, I thought that was like, oh, well, that's an interesting role for Bortolo. It's not really how I thought of him, but he clearly showed that he was willing to do it. Yeah, I mean, that's that's kind of where, you know, I think the Sharks would love to see him sort of start to more establish himself a little bit more, just more of that inside type game. And you know, like you said, that was kind of a vintage Sharks play there from go from low to high and then, you know, get the shot on that and get the tip in front and get some traffic. Um, you know, that's sort of a, uh, like I said, it's a play from from yesteryear, and you know, I think I think I think David Quinn was very encouraged about the way Thomas Bordalo played against against Colorado, and I think he was encouraged by the way William Eklund played it too. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, those two guys, uh, I think, will be on the same line again tonight against Carolina, and and uh, you know, we'll see. Uh, they they do have a little bit of chemistry going, so. Um, you know, we'll see if they can kind of keep that up here. But you're right. I mean, a nice, a nice night for Thomas Bortle, a very memorable night for him. And and uh, you know, I'm sure he'll he'll learn as he goes on here what he needs to do to be successful at this level. And what about Kevin LeBanc's situation, given that he would ostensibly provide an offensive boost? Yeah, yeah. He's uh he's not playing tonight. At least that's what David Quinn indicated this morning that uh, he won't play, but he is getting closer to being available um you know he did miss some time in training camp so uh that sort of affected he's sort of playing catch up a little bit in terms mm-hmm. of his conditioning and, and his readiness to, to play uh you know when he does get back in i am kind of curious to see where where he slots i know he's kind of been playing in practice a little bit on the, on that fourth line with with nico sturm and and and, and uh, fabian zetterland and Giovanni smith um, you know, he's not really built to be a kind of a fourth line guy. So I'm just curious to see as the season goes on here, if he can be a, a regular type uh, top nine type forward. And, you know, he's a guy, other guys on an expiring contract. And, you know, you wonder if, uh, if he does get to uh, a certain point this year where he's a regular in the lineup and a, and a producer for this team, if, if the Sharks might be able to, to turn him, um, you know, trade him at the deadline and maybe get something in return here. So, um, curious to see how his 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 season evolves and and uh, you know what he can bring to the Sharks team this year. Curtis, appreciate your time as always, and I look forward to reading your next Sharks piece with Bay Area News Group. You have a good one. All right. Thank you, Ted. Much appreciated. And again, that is Curtis Bashelka of Bay Area News Group joining us here on the buildup as we get you ready for tonight's game against Carolina. As for Carolina, they sit at two wins and one loss on the year, four points, and are coming off a 6-3 loss to the Ducks on Sunday. Previously, they beat the Kings 6-5 in overtime on Saturday night, and on Wednesday open up their year with a 5-3 win over the Senators. But I think for the Sharks, it's got to be the same idea that they had really against both Vegas and Colorado is just absorb what a high-caliber team can bring at you in the first few minutes of a game because we all know this is going to be very, very difficult once again for San Jose. Carolina is a team that I expect to be among uh, one of the teams we're talking about towards the end of the year. I don't know that that will be the case most definitely, but it is within the realm of possibilities. But for the Sharks, I think they've got to just play a clean game, try and stay out of the box. If they do, their penalty kills looked good up to this point of the year, and I actually think it's time for that power play to come through, which it has not as of yet. But like we talked about with Curtis, you got to get some of these younger guys going. You got to get some of the established guys going. It's just a matter of building your way into a season. And I do think that that is difficult with the Sharks and the amount of roster turnover that they have had. But I do expect it to happen faster than it did one year ago. Now, 
Whether or not that yields more wins, especially amidst this gauntlet of an opening schedule, I don't know. But I saw improvement from the Sharks from Game 1 to Game 2, and I am hoping that is a trend that continues from Game 2 to Game 3. And I know that me, as well as everybody else, we all want more wins inside the tank. All right, pregame coverage starts live tonight at 7 o'clock right here on the Sharks Audio Network. And then at 7.30, it will be the Sharks hosting the Hurricanes. For the San Jose Sharks, I'm Ted Ramey. I'll see you guys tomorrow morning on Morning Tide. I'm signing off. This podcast can be found for download under Sharks Hockey Digest on iTunes, Google, and Spotify. And on demand anytime on the Sharks Plus SAP Center app presented by Western Digital. All music by Yogi Yen.